What's up, everyone? Sorry we're a tad late. Um, welcome back to the Art of Game Mastery's Finding Paths stream. I'm John. This is my ghost, Jackie. And uh, we are coming back from a bit of a hiatus this time. Um, I want to personally apologize for that. Uh, the holidays, we knew we were going to be out a couple weeks, but then I got sick. Uh, and we were out a couple more weeks because of that. So it's been a bit since we've uh, done one of these. Um, today, we're, we're actually wanting to do this on the second when we came back. Uh, but the topic for today's show is uh, festivals and holidays. So a bit fitting coming out of the, you know, Christmas, Yule, Hanukkah, what have you, and then also the New Year's. Um, I believe, Jack, you did a post on Reddit, right? That's correct. Um, I'm going to bring that up and we'll just kick it off by talking about that. There were some interesting uh, responses to that, if I recall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to reshare it or do you want to share it? Actually, I can, I can pull or... it up on the screen. Yeah, yeah. let me do that. Uh, do, do, do. You can go ahead and start talking about it, though, while I do this. It's taking me a second to. Um, right. So we asked uh, you guys what you guys thought was your favorite, uh, you know, in-game holidays or festival. And some of you guys shared some uh, pretty awesome source material for some Pathfinder festivals and games and stuff. Yeah, John, no. Send that to you right there. I I just pulled it up. Um, cool. Um, so the uh, the Pathfinder wiki has a great uh, like setup of holidays and festivals to look at, and so we're really glad for you guys community sharing that for everyone to take a look at. It has a ton of resources. So those are the ones that are you know Pathfinder recognized. If it'll load. Um, yeah, it does seem to be loading right now. Their site might be down. I don't know. It's interesting. It was working earlier, but... Hmm. It says can't reach this page right now. Yeah, I think this, the server's down, unfortunately. But um, Right right as soon as we try to do this. I know, of course, right? <laughs> timing. Um, so a lot of you mentioned that, like, uh, some of you guys kind of do um, holidays based on the current season, and I really like how people were mentioning about syncing up their, you know, real lives IRL with their in-game lives. Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of gives a really nice flavor and perspective, especially around these holiday seasons. Uh, I know John and I recently talked about, you know, living up your dead right around Halloween, Samhain time, and then right around Yule time, we kind of did the same similar focus in like our game where we had um, uh, basically being Tai, whom is like kind of like the Fae version of uh, Mrs. Claus, kind of visit the party, give some gifts, let everybody have like um, a chance to kind of relax, rest, and pull up some flavor. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Yule, uh, it is the pagan equivalent of basically Christmas. It is around the same time as Christmas. They're not not the exact same time, but it's. Uh... For those who practice the pagan religion, that's their their holiday. Um, Wait, you're not using dark mode? <laughs> I'm actually not, and that's a good point. I, I use dark mode on like everything. In fact, I didn't even know Reddit had a dark mode. Uh, I don't Yo. use Reddit too too often these days on browser. Usually, it's on my phone. On a, I was on a Reddit page, and it said like, "You see this, or do you see this?" And I was like really confused, and it was like one of those like joke meme things on reddit where mm -hmm. it's like to see like what um 
you know, dark mode users see versus the light mode <laughs> users. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 use, I, was like, I usually use Reddit on my phone, and I do use dark mode there. Um, something about dark mode is just easier on my eyes. Um, so a lot of you guys said that you guys run hiatus right around now, and we totally get that because we've totally been on hiatus too. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. Um, I think there was, like you said, there was a couple different uh, takes on holidays when you brought it up in the Reddit thread. One seemed that some people were doing the more homebrew approach, and some were taking the more uh, specific Galarian or Forgotten Realms holidays um, that were already baked into the settings. Um, and I think that either of those is fine. Um, I think whichever whichever approach you take. Um, there's a couple really cool things you can do with holidays. Um, so for one, they're a great way to institute downtime in your games. I feel like and, and more interactive downtime than just saying like, you guys have a month of downtime. What are you doing with it? Roll some dice, etc. I think that if, you know, your, your festival probably won't necessarily take your entire downtime, but I think adding a bit of interactivity there with a festival, uh, can be cool. Um, for instance, uh, you know, in, in Japan, you have their they have a lot of festivals throughout the year. Uh, their New Year's festival is pretty prolific, I feel like. Um, so in a lot of times there's like fairs and whatnot going on and pretty much whole towns shut down and everyone, everyone in the community participates in these things. Uh, a lot of volunteers and things like that. There's a lot of things that like you could have your players set up shop in these in these during these festivals and sell some goods. And maybe maybe when they're rolling for their income for that duration of downtime they might get a bonus or 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 detriment depending on how well they do during this festival and you might take this opportunity to add some mini games in there like some card games or maybe some i don't know very crude like shooting games you know or something like they would have at carnivals and whatnot um so there's a lot of opportunity to add like a, a bunch of neat stuff in there um i think that you know a lot of times for one, I think that downtime is very often overlooked in modern tabletop RPG games. Um, I don't feel like... like These days, I feel like a lot of games are run in a more, I don't know, epic fantasy style of game. Like very Lord of the Rings, Journey to Mordor mm -hmm. kind of deal. And I don't feel like a lot of GMs... And I'm guilty of this as well sometimes. Uh, a lot of GMs will neglect downtime and not um, provide many opportunities for it. Uh, or at least if they do, it's very short periods of time and not anything where you can meaningfully get anything, you know, useful out of it. And I mean, depending on the game you're trying to play, that might be a detriment to your players because downtime is, is actually a really good way for, for characters to change their skills or, um, you know, retrain their feats or something like that. So if, if it's, you know, if you're, if you're a less lenient GM and you can't, you won't just say, oh, yeah, you can swap out a feat, whatever, um, this might be a good way to allow people to do that. And if you don't give them that opportunity, then um, it kind of, I don't know, as a player, it feels kind of shysty. Um, but at the same time, just giving them, say you have a month of downtime, do, do whatever you want with it. The whole world stops while you're doing this can feel kind of oh, bad. To, to talk about like the, the breaking down of the, the game. Sometimes the pacing can become an issue, right? So we don't want every single combat to be kind of, world-ending based combat um, and we don't want the story pacing to be you know this this type of marathon or you know high speed 
every single episode it just be super intense sometimes it's okay to kind of break up the monotony with something like this Mm -hmm. and if you are running a game where it's very time sensitive this can be a great way to kind of like uh give the the characters uh, the players a bit of a like a a dilemma so to speak like an internal dilemma not necessarily a moral dilemma but give them the option to see that like when they get to this next town or this next area and an area is having a festival or a Mm -hmm. holiday it can kind of change you know, maybe how they see it, or if they're returning to a town, it gives you a chance to kind of uh, flesh out or put on a new face to the town. So yeah, that, you bring, it, you bring up a really useful. you bring up a really good point in that, you know, tying your festivals to the actual world they're in is actually a really good way of doing it. Like, I feel like another thing that a lot of is is often lost in today's tabletop RPG games is the idea of a calendar in the world. Like generally players don't know this is, you know, this day of this year or whatever. Like it's just generally not important. But I think if you, if a player is entering a town, like you said, and, you know, maybe leading up to them going to that town, you kind of showed snow starting to fall or leaves are starting to change kind of deal. So you don't, you know, they don't necessarily know the exact day of the year they're in, but they get the vibe that, you know, the seasons are changing and, along with changing seasons usually comes some sort of holiday somewhere in that changing um so it might be kind of a bit of a foreshadowing that when you get to this town maybe it makes sense that there's a holiday going on and holidays can actually be really 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 good not only for downtime but also for like the backdrop for the start of a new story arc right like if you think about it during a festival or a holiday, a lot more civilians or citizens are going to be gathered in one place, and it's a lot more ripe for the um, enemies, so to speak, to cause the most havoc in the most dense areas. So I, th- I often like when I'm starting a campaign or starting a new story arc in a campaign, um, I will often make it make the starting point take place in a town where a holiday or a festival of some sort is going on. Um, in my world, that's sometimes the festival of magic, which is a big one. Um, but if I'm playing in like Galarian, maybe I'll use one of the pre-existing, uh, holidays that are there. So I think that when you add that sort of backdrop, it can add a bit of a spice to your starting adventure, start of the adventure, whether it's the very beginning or just the start of a new story arc, because like, you know, if you're starting a new campaign and maybe you start in a tavern, that's kind of bland, but it's, you know, it's pretty ubiquitous at this point um you know that that alone might be pretty boring but what if you're starting in a tavern in the middle of a giant holiday right where and you kind of can describe that flavor and you know you talk about the hustling and bustling outside the markets are ripe with things to buy maybe there's sales going on to kind of jump start their adventures if they if they you know have extra money at their disposal um things like that can really add a bit of flavor and and uh and spiciness to and other what other mys, otherwise might be considered a stereotypical start to an adventure. To get into some suggestions, holidays, festivals, uh, to throw into your games. Um, like we said earlier, we recently threw in kind of a, a Yule themed one in some previous games. I had um, basically a tourney. Uh, tourneys are a great great way to kind of let your players show off their kind of their skills. Uh, skill tests. John, I know you're a big fan of doing skill those. Skill challenges. 
skill challenges. Everybody loves those. Yeah, um, they're not something that's really baked into the rules, but it's basically just a series of skill checks that build on each other. Uh, I, and I, I actually, I think those work well for like, I think those work well for like mini games during a festival too. I think there's got to be at least one edition that I remember seeing skill challenges. Yeah, I think like I think there was in fourth edition, maybe I don't know. I feel like they were taken. I I, I learned about them through Matt Colville, um, because you know he's basically a wealth of knowledge when it comes to previous editions of D and D. Um, and I had not heard of skill challenges. I had not played the edition they came from. I don't remember which one it was, but um, when he explained them, like, oh, that just makes sense. Like that's just obvious. You know, it's just like you have one. You do a series of skill checks and. You know, depending on how well you do on the previous one, depends, you know, changes the DC or the next one kind of deal. It's just something that logically makes and, sense uh, to me. In a previous campaign that I ran, my players who were super crafters, like I would spend hours designing stuff for crafting because they absolutely love to craft everything they could think of. And um, so it was only fitting that I kind of throw this at them. Um, if you have a, a group of players who are really interested in the crafting stuff, um, I threw a kind of a festival where it was a dwarven city, and they were celebrating by submitting their best, um, basically their their wondrous item, their best crafted thing. Mm -hmm. their... Yeah, that's kind of that's a neat one. So and so like... the party kind of got to look at these items. They could bid on these items. They could kind of vote on these items, like which ones they liked. And then they were strongly encouraged to enter into this uh, themselves. Mm -hmm. Races are another another good one. Uh whether it's horse race or foot race or, I don't know, potato sack race or whatever you want. Um, those are a great way to do skill challenges as well and a great way to add to a you know, festive atmosphere. Uh, Kazuma420 brought up in the chat, I like the normal holidays, but it would be cool if there was some really old holidays from different eras or some made-up holidays. And yeah, I, I mean, you could, you could use the normal holidays from like the real world, right? Like Christmas, etc. And I think... As, as Jackie mentioned previously, I think tying your in-world holidays to around the time of real-world holidays is a good way of doing it because people are already in that festo spirit, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like a good bridge there. Um, I definitely think that in-game, though, you should be either doing some made-up holidays or uh, holidays from, you know, whatever setting you're you're using. Uh, I don't think you should be like using Christmas. You might you might have a holiday that basically is Christmas, mm -hmm. um, but I think that you know to add to that verisimilitude, having something unique to your setting is is interesting. Um, and as far as from holidays from different eras, I, I I agree with that actually. I think that I mean most holidays do originate in different areas i mean very few i mean unless you have a new holiday in your world maybe and that you know that could be an actually an interesting plot point uh you maybe uh you know your your heroes of your campaign do something and then they decide to make a holiday out of it as a reward which we'll be doing a video on rewards soon um <laughs> that's actually really good for idea. that uh, I'd never considered that before but that's an interesting thing uh and then like you know if the campaign goes on a year from now which very, like not a year like in real world time but a year in game time which is very well could um then they could come around and like oh now everyone's celebrating this this, this you know holiday that basically is about the players and that'll feel really good to them and it'll allow them to kind of you know strut their stuff in the middle of town and show off a bit which is kind of cool 
Um, so that's a really that's good definitely. idea. That's um, a really wonderful idea. Um, most of the holidays that if we look at like where they originate from are usually surrounded by harvests. And mm-hmm. since uh, you know most of these tabletop RPGs that you're going to be playing are going to be centered around that fantasy uh, element, especially like the high fantasy or the low magic, uh, that's where most of our festivals come from. So just like a, a real quick base lesson on that, if you look at um, where most of like the pagan holidays kind of sit, is each harvest is kind of named after or based on the different produce that was being you know made. There's like lamdas, which is like when wheat festival happens, and that's where uh, society kind of gets a lot of its beer from and a lot of its breads and baked goods. And um, you look at like uh, Halloween. You know, we see it as like candy and trick-or-treating, but originally it was designed for um, celebrating, you know, the final harvest. Uh, pumpkins being one of the latest things to happen to uh, come to complete fruition at the end. And so um, when the start of the harvest happens again, you get something like Maybon. And um, so if you're looking for how to make or incorporate a holiday onto your game, look at the imports, exports, like what... Um, you know, what's being grown in the area. That's a real simple way to kind of tie in um, some, like, you know, basic details that's going on in your in your town to kind of liven up the game. Yeah, I mean, certainly that, you know, harvests and, and such is one way to do it. You can also look at um, major events that have happened either during the campaign or previously before the campaign. Uh, generally, if you're creating your own world, you're you're going to be thinking about like what happened in the past kind of deal. Why, why are things the way they are now? Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll come across these major events that whether it's the end of a war or um, maybe the death of an important person or something like, you know, think of all the holidays we have, you know, in our world and where, what kind of events spawn them. Um, those kind of things are bound to happen in any world really. So, right. If you have a, a country or side or a duchy and you're looking for like independence from uh, a particular area, having a, a country kind of celebrate its independence is kind of a huge mm-hmm. um, plot device to explain like if the country was um, basically subdued or controlled by a previous power. This can really help if you're doing intrigue games where you've got like the uh, imperial style regime kind of like trying to take back some of their territory. Uh, so. Yeah, and, uh, you know, holidays, like you say, are usually based on major events of some sort. And a funny thing about major events is they can very easily snowball. So, you know, you, you'd think, oh, this is a major event. A holiday would probably be appropriate here. Well, you might also stop and consider and say, hey, a holiday is probably appropriate here. That means it's a really big event. Maybe something else happened as a result of this happening, and that spawned another event, or it spawned maybe even a, a story arc for your campaign. Uh, so there's there's a lot of um, tie-in with, I think, that you know festivals present with the actual lore of the world and what could happen going forward and, like, you know, ideas, sparks of in, uh, inspiration for future, um, you know, campaigns or, or story arcs. For instance, that, that independence you just mentioned, right? Uh, maybe the duchy that they reached independence from wasn't super happy about that. And maybe after some time, they, you know, took some time to lick their wounds and now they're ready to reclaim that territory. And now all of a sudden a war is the, you know, the the flames of war sparked again. And there's something, you know, maybe your, your campaign is built around your players trying to prevent this war. Maybe they have, uh, you know, 
been forewarned about it and they're like, oh, we don't want this to happen. This could cause issues throughout the world, not just not just this region. Um, or maybe they decide to pick a side on this war. Maybe the war is inevitable and they want to uh, choose a side in this and ensure that that side you know, succeeds. So there's all kinds of things you could build off of a festival um, when you consider that you know what what the festival's for i think that just throwing a festival down and saying oh there's a festival now it's it's and it's kind of like hand wave what it is is not probably in anyone's best interest i think that if you're creating a new festival you should really consider what spawned that festival and why it exists um i mean i would throw down an entire festival just to introduce like a lieutenant of the big bad mm -hmm. so that way the, the party has a, a recurring enemy to kind of uh, deal with yeah i think that's a great time to have if you have a contest of strength or showmanship and um it's time to introduce some other characters particularly if you're going to introduce um you don't want to have necessarily like a gmpc to kind of take the limelight what you want to have is somebody who seems kind of neutral or ambivalent and they are actually working for the other side so Festivals are going to attract tourism, and it's a great way to have other nations, other areas mm -hmm. kind of show up to the town. And it's a great way to be like, hey, who are these people over here? And they might represent a court or intrigue. They're the bad guys. The right. party kind of, you know, they're, they're sussing this out. You don't want to give all the information right off the bat. And then you're going to see, you know, uh, if they do enter a tourney, whether it's mounted combat or some kind of skill challenges, they should go up the brackets and then, you know, you as a GM, you have no problem deciding who they're going to meet in that ultimate, you know, match that determines who's yeah. the victor. And if it's that bad guy from the other side, that's going to stick in the players' minds whether they win or lose. If the bad guy wins, you know, it's just a test, and nobody actually has to die. The players are going to remember that, and they're going to be like, "That guy, I didn't like that guy." Or worse, if the bad guy does lose, then maybe they're a sore loser, and that's going to stick in the players' heads, you know. So those interactions that you're tying in is going to make your festivals that much more lively. Yeah, I mean, like you kind of alluded to, festivals in history have often been a a source of diplomacy. Um, and like, you know, like diplomats from other, other nations or other uh, countries or whatever will come in for these festivals, like, like align their visits to this nation with festivals. Um, because A, everyone's in merry spirits and it's easier to manipulate people when people are in merry spirits. And B, uh, there's a lot of people there. There's a lot of cover to do things that you maybe aren't super scrumptious, you know what I mean? Uh, so there's a, there's a various reasons why di diplomats might choose a festival as a time to, um, you know, send their delegations, so to speak. Uh, mm -hmm. So yes, there will, uh, and, and it's usually just not one nation. It's usually a lot of nations. In fact, festivals are usually a time when many nations gather for some sort of council as well um, to make important decisions uh, for you know their own countries and any alliances or whatever you know they think of. So you're totally right. There's there's bound to be a lot of people. Uh, who normally wouldn't be here in this location at this time. And there's a lot of things you can do with that as a GM. <laughs> I was literally about to mention that uh, Cosma uh, said, I think adventurers also kind of let their guard down during this time for a festival. Mm -hmm. um, and I was going to mention about a kind of a Trojan horse uh, mentality about 
um, one of the better times to strike if it's going to be war between two kingdoms is right after a festival when everyone is, you know, still hit the, the rucksacks. They haven't uh, woken up yet. They're kind of dreary from all of the festivities being up late at night. Um, it tends to be like a point of contention. It's really hard for the forces to muster if they've been partying all night long, drinking merrily. Yeah, and I like, like I said before, I, I love kicking off adventures from festivals for like this kind of reason. Um, and it's kind of, this might be a little cruel, but as a GM, you might consider, you know, your, your, um, your players, if, 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 if the attack is happening at night, for instance, or in the morning after, you know, a festival, you might consider adhering a bit more to the donning and doffing of armor rules, uh, in this, in this particular case. So like oftentimes, you know, adventures aren't, well, usually adventurers aren't sleeping in their armor right and if an attack happens in the middle of the night or early in the morning the next day when they're likely hung over or you know sleeping in or whatever then they're probably not wearing their armor when this attack happens and they have to make decision do i spin the i forget what it is in pathfinder 2e is it one minute or two minutes to dawn armor depending on the armor yeah, yeah. Do you spin that time to do that but also uh, do you like have to go the time to, to do their lodgings to get their armor yeah um, yeah recently exactly. saw uh was it the knights of the last round had that in their game are you following their game i haven't been watching it no um they uh they recently had an issue where they had to make a decision about going back and getting their gear um and i noticed that like those were those are those great positions where you put a player in a like oh man what are my what are my options here they like i just love it when you watch them just like heavily weigh the decision like do i go back and get my armor and don it because like by the time I get back, like what if all the action is done or yeah. over with? Like this could take you out of the fight entirely. Yep. So I think you know I think those are rules that are often overlooked, but I think that in cases like this, they can add a bit to the suspense of the uh, the situation, and probably you're better off adhering to them in this particular case. Um, same with the exhaustion rules. You know, if they if they do claim they were sleeping in their armor or uh, you know, maybe they made it made it a point that they were drinking heavily the night before. You might consider exhaustion being on the table uh, or fatigue or whatever it's called in Pathfinder Two E, um, which would make sense. Uh, and also, speaking of armor, many festivals in, in history did not allow people to carry weapons. I mean, you could technically wear armor, but you were not allowed to carry weapons around on the festival grounds for oh, no. obvious reasons. I don't reasons. think armor was like really uh, like permitted, really. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't allow it, but you're usually wearing like festival attire, like in, in mm -hmm. Japan that was decorated kimonos and stuff like that. Uh, in you know Europe, it was depending on where you were at, different kinds of uh, stylistic outfits at that time. Sometimes festivals were masquerades and yeah everyone was wearing like you like there's all kind depending on the festival itself and your look your area your region um the attire would look different but the point is that there was generally usually some sort of attire that everyone was wearing some form of uh and you generally weren't walking around in plate mail <laughs> that would be it would be like really like suspicious or dishonest mm -hmm. um i like how uh, i love using pop culture as like references to this so like people can see like how it kind of uh, is exemplified in other things um game of thrones did a really good example of that where 
there was a wedding scene, uh, the red wedding in particular, and uh, one of the characters, um, his his chainmail is kind of poking out of his uh, his jerkin, and the uh, the person uh, who notices this is like extremely upset at that because it's like, why are you wearing, you know, chainmail to a wedding? Like it well, sounds it's insulting, like right, to the host because they're like, do you expect something to go down here? Like, and do you think yeah, I'm that it's... kind of person? Like, oh yeah, <laughs> something definitely went down in that red yeah. wedding. Yeah. So, so like, uh, good. There's constantly these uh, examples about, like, if you're going to have a festival, you might want to flesh out some basic things. So, like, besides what they're celebrating and why, sometimes these might span for a few days, and we'll probably cover, you know, progression clocks. But um, in addition to that, you want to think about, like, what's customary to bring to the festival? What's the proper gear or wear for the festival? Um, and, like, have... Um, Usually traditions are like extremely important. Um, we we tend to like overlook these facts because they're just like as is. When we think about like Independence Day, we have fireworks. Mm -hmm. But when we have like Thanksgiving Day, everyone's going to sit around and eat some you know big Most heavy you know hearty meal. Something. Right. Um, they're gonna. There's usually a focus to it, right? And um, in some fiction books, you'll read where they kind of like take their own uh, Halloween they have like a reason or a rhyme between like the costumes that they're wearing and like why people get dressed up. Do mm -hmm. people get dressed up for this? Right. Like maybe everybody is supposed to wear some kind of particular face mask if they're celebrating a year for a particular animal. Mm -hmm. So flushing out those, those kind of things is going to be really helpful for your players to get into the mode of like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta stash your weapons. You gotta stash your armor. Um, yeah. I think, you know, coming up whenever you, if you're the homebrew type and you're designing festivals or holidays or what have you i think you absolutely should consider what the traditions are for that because you know especially if this is an old old you know holiday then there's going to be all kinds of traditions going on and you should also consider that not necessarily everyone might subscribe to those traditions and maybe Ooh. there are alternatives as well um for instance uh turkey is popular on thanksgiving here in america but not everyone uses turkey. Some people do fried chicken. Some people do ham. Some people do both. You know, it's like... <laughs> Was it Japan we were talking about does uh, KFC for for their Christmas? I don't I missed that conversation, but it, it wouldn't surprise oh. me. They they do a lot of funny stuff like that sometimes. Um, there's, there's some really strange uh, traditions that seem strange to us, but are completely normal yeah, to other totally. people. So sometimes you got to make those traditions, you know, a little outlandish. To kind mm -hmm. of stand up and make them more lively. Totally. Um, you mentioned a little bit about clocks. Right? When I when you say that, do you mean like clocks is in like blade blades in the dark kind of deal? Yeah. So like, I mean, you might be having a festival happening, mm -hmm. and it can be hard to keep track of time or events that are going on. You know, uh, some festivals it's really easy to overlook this because here in the states, our festivals are usually whole one day, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's really easy to overlook something like Hanukkah that is like several days long, right? that's actually pretty normal. Mm -hmm. Like Jubilees were usually like an entire week of, of festivities. Yeah, so you have, progress you have clocks Golden Week in some Asian countries whatnot. Exactly. Progress clocks um, that, you know, John had mentioned taking from Blades in the Dark is a great way to kind of keep track of those events. That's a really good point. Um, I had not considered how, to, how I would implement those in like Pathfinder 2 either. Have you thought about how you might do that? I mean, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'd love to hear your input on that. Clocks, faction clocks are kind of my most important um, bid 
So um, when I'm having a festival, there's going to be a lot of different factions, and it can be something as simple as thinking like, is there a baking contest? And there's a baking a baker's faction, and they're going to have a progression thing towards the final end of their countdown, right? Mm -hmm. Something really simple that's just based mm -hmm. on um, if there are tourneys, races, or you know, uh, like arenas. Like keep a progression clock so that players can go like, I want to enter in the tourney, but I don't want to enter in at the low level. Where is the arena with it? Oh well, I have a progression clock and I'm keeping track of when the you know the mid to tier fights are going to happen. When's the big fight going to happen if people want to bet on that? And then those are kind of like the the baseline. Um, but in the meanwhile, you might want to be looking at who are the bigger players, the factions that are kind of in charge of this. If you have court intrigue and you have different lords and vassals, they might be uh, moving their troops around the city trying to police certain events. And um, you can use these kind of clocks to kind of figure, you know, if uh, a particular faction is planning on striking at a particular time, that can be really useful, right? When the guests kind of least expect it. So how did you, or how would you, I don't know if you've actually implemented this or not yet behind the scenes, but how, uh, how would you go about implementing the actual progression mechanics when using those clocks? Would you... I mean, I steal it right from Blades of the Dark. Um, the pinwheel, the pie wheel, I'm really mm -hmm. used to drawing, um, that one got me like super easy with pen and paper. Um, I kind of just do um, like four or six notes nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, so I like write them as like fractions. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, I when, when, when you progress from one pie slice to the next, is there usually a role involved or is it just like logically this is this, you know, we're at the next point now. So I'll just move it, you know, I have, I have kind of a few of them. Um, so I have a, a, a different approach to all of them. I've been writing out them like fractions where when I decide how big of an event this is, I decide like, is this a, a four event thing or is this like an eight event thing? And I'm going to write that on the, uh, basically the denominator. And mm -hmm. then the numerator is going to be just slash marks to kind of count up towards that. So I can like get my way up there. Um, it's much easier to keep track of that way. And so sometimes it is just based on time. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I've ever changed a clock midway when designing it. Like, for when I'm planning on the winter court for striking, there's particular quests that need to be completed before like the next event happens. Mm -hmm. And so each time the players complete a quest, I'm doing a check mark and I've already decided, you know, how many uh, basically quests that the the winter court is kind of ignored, how long it's going to take for them to you know build up forces and strike. Um, I see. Yeah, clocks are clocks are really neat aspect of uh, blades in the dark and something that uh i'm actually looking at uh porting i guess so to speak to my fate-based game uh that i'm designing uh so i was curious how you went about implementing in pathfinder 2e which is a much more structured game but it sounds like you just kind of used them as is for the most part which is which is cool um, stole it straight from the uh i think it's that's not an srd what is it blades in the dark.com they have like a, a progress yeah, I, clock I don't, page. I, I guess it would be called an SRD. Yeah, where they'd have like the basic free rule set there. That's like right. So doesn't have any of the uh, lore in it. Was, we started talking about Blades in the Dark like what like last year. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I've been itching to do a Blades in the Dark game, and we had met somebody on Discord who was interested in running one. Um, hoping to get in contact with them soon uh, to see if they're still interested in throwing down a game for us. I still need to finish uh, reading otherwise. the book. I'm like halfway through it. <laughs> it's it's such a good read. Um, I, I already linked. You should uh, you should do a a blog post on the website about 
you know, how you went about doing that port over of the clock system of Pathfinder 2. So I think that's a, a generally useful construct in basically any tabletop RPG for managing time. And I think that, you know, seeing how people do it in different RPG mm. systems is a useful, uh, useful tool. So we should, we should, we should talk about doing that. It's interesting to see how, like, how the use has changed over, like, when I had used to get information, I was writing this stuff down. It was in my GM notes. And now because we're working on like a, a virtual tabletop with Roll20, I'm instead, I'm creating a, a handout and mm -hmm. uh, keeping track of events that way. And so like spatial, like ways that I like store information, it's like changing constantly. So yeah, but I mean like a lot of the comfort zone. Yeah, for sure. But I think, I think putting it, you know, at least, you know, maybe not necessarily how you do it in Roll20, but just generally how you went about porting it over and any, any changes, if any, you made, or maybe just talk about your experiences using it in Pathfinder. I think it'd be useful useful content for the website, so we should talk about adding that. Um, I'll link it in the in the Discord. Um, speaking of the website, actually, I completely forgot to bring this up. Just today, we did post the final version of the follower companion rules that i've been promising for a long time now and continuously failing to deliver <laughs> so those are available on the website um i will they aren't in the description of this video right now but i will add the link to the description of the video after this goes live or after the live ends and it's posted on youtube um but if you go to artofgamemastery.com it should be right there on the front page as a featured article um so i'd love to get people's feedback on that uh because you know, we've been play testing it for a while now, and it seems to be working all right. Um, there's some things we added to it recently that haven't been so place tested, though. So I'd love to see people's experience if they use them, or even at a glance what they think of them. Uh, I think they're they're pretty different than like the what's the name of that? There was a Pathfinder 2e followers rules available on Drive Through RPG. Um, and I bought them because I was curious how they compared to mine after I already wrote mine. And they're different. Uh, they took a slightly different approach to mine. But it's funny how there are some similarities as well. Um, they took it more <clears throat> of a, a class-based thing where mine is more of a more abstract in, you know, construct where... Uh, it's much more flexible and free perform in terms of what abilities the uh, the NPCs get instead of like they are rogue, so they can only pick rogue feats, basically kind of deal. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear what you guys think of that. Um, it's been a long time coming, I know, uh, and I <laughs> at this point I'd be curious to see how it compares to like what they inevitably release with the uh, Kingmaker uh, Adventure Path that comes out March of twenty twenty two, I believe, is with the current date. So. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of segue there uh, while we're talking about the blog. Let's see. Did you have any other talking points you wanted to cover on festivals, Jackie? Uh, um, I have plenty to cover for as far as like festivals that we've done um, in applications. Did you have any that you wanted to talk about? That, um, that you implemented festivals or holidays in your So games? I do have one festival that I, I try to bring into just about every Pathfinder 2e game I run in my world that is situated in that region because it is a festival that is unique to that region it's called the festival of magic um there is a large metropolis basically 
in one region of my homebrew world called Oblitia. Um and it is known as kind of like the the forefront of of magic technology and magic in general. Um, there is a very world world renowned academy called the Academy of Magic that is there, and the head of the the mayor, so to speak, of that city is actually the headmaster of that academy. So it's a very like it's very finely tied to the government of that particular city. And, and in fact, that city is the capital of the Republic. So it's actually tied to the government of that entire, that entire nation, that entire region. Um, and the graduates tend to serve as members of the military or, or act as researchers for that, for that nation. Um, but because magic is such a big deal, in that that city and people from all over the world come to that city to sell and trade in magic items and magic technologies uh there is a festival that happens once a year there called festival of magic um and it is kind of the point it is the it is the point in the year where people bring their most wondrous wares their most expensive stuff like normally you wouldn't be able to find certain levels of magic items in the city even even you know that it, though it's a magic mm -hmm. area but this particular time of year is when you can find higher level magic items because people are going out of their way to procure these things with the intent to resell them at this. Because there's like the amount of people who come to Oblitia for this festival is is astronomical. So they know that somebody there will buy their wares if they have it. So uh, it's very much centered around commerce is kind of the origin of the festival. Um it, there wasn't a particular major event that spawned it. It was just that they needed a way to drive tourism and they found the festival was a good way to do that given that they're given their unique, you know, situation. Um, and I like to use that festival as the start of a campaign. So like whether they start in a tavern or they start in, you know, the festival itself or that wherever they start, there's a festival going on at the time which means there's a lot of people there and there's usually some some form of the bad guys party like you know whatever whether that's minions whether that's the bad guy themselves whatever um they are kind of intermingled with the people there and you know doing their dastardly deeds behind the scene and whether or not the players realize this uh in time or not can drastically change how the adventure starts so that's kind of my way of using festivals that I like to do. Um, I typically don't have multiple uh, story arcs that like end and then afterwards there's like some downtime and then another story arc starts. I typically have one giant story arc and then offered downtime just in the middle somewhere. Like maybe there's some, there's a, a gap in the action, so to speak, and offer some downtime there. Um, so I don't typically use festivals mid-game, but though it's something I want to try to experiment with and play with. Um, and I think that given the unique na nature of our West March's Shifting Sands game, I probably won't use the Festival of Magic, but I'll come up with a new kind of festival for this region. Um, and I might interpose that into the Shifting Sands somehow. I haven't decided how I'm going to do it yet. Because it is West March's, so like you have multiple people, multiple parties, etc. So it's a little more com complicated to handle that where everyone kind of benefits from it.
have you have you had a chance or have any of your games lasted long enough where like an entire year cycle has gone by in your game where they get to see this magical commerce uh holiday happen again um not in this homebrew world i have in other other settings but not in this one um so i'd be anxious to see a game like that happen <laughs> but uh so far i've been so lucky unfortunately I think the um, only time that's happened was actually uh, in a Storm King Thunder game and for 5e that eventually went beyond Storm King Thunder and like, you know, we just like extended it kind of with homebrew stuff. Um, started off as a, as a module and then just exactly, kept yeah. going. No, those are awesome. Yeah. Everybody loves those. Um, I know our uh, Van Delver Mines game kind of went off the rails there for a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've recently had, um, within the last couple of years, I say recently, <laughs> a game where um, I wanted to introduce two different types of holidays in my game. One of them was religious and one of them was governmental. Mm -hmm. um, so the government one ended up being more about battle. I had noticed when I was doing some research on uh, my kobolds and making them rather Slavic, uh, they had holidays that were kind of based around warfare. So their their idea of having a holiday, since kobolds are generally like determined to continue working, and working makes them happy. Mm -hmm. uh, having combat oriented uh, holidays was really kind of important to them. Like it just it became like a a staple in like the way that I run them. And so was um, this a was this particular case was like a militaristic nation or was it? Yeah, basically they're um, you would call them an oligarchy. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, people up at the top kind of decide, you know, throughout the year, like which battles were significant, and then they celebrate, you know, victories that they had. And so there would have been like a drow victory, where they had this uh, this Black Sunday, basically, which mm -hmm. kind of takes away from, um, you know, them being freed from the the slavery that they had in the drow society. Since, you know, trigger warning: usually drow are very, uh, you know. They like to do that kind of stuff. Um, so the Kobolds had this kind of like day of like, kind of like a day of liberation or like a jubilee. Um, so their, their day of calm, it was like a day remembering this particular battle. Right. Um, they love to have um, war related holidays. So this was mostly like the party only, the only thing the party really had to do was kind of figure out like, what was the gist of this? And it was basically like the party deciding like, yo, we want to bring a bunch of, um, you know, drinks that they prefer to imbibe in during this holiday session. And they were trying to basically like smooth over or get into the good graces of these different people. And using the holiday was a great time for them to kind of practice and learn like the culture that they were getting themselves into with, uh, you know, with these races, trying to make an alliance between two cities. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a good point. Like, as we mentioned, there's going to be a lot of important people around for this. So if, you know, it's an excellent time for your your players to interact with these these high members of society and uh in fate we have the the idea of a social encounter which is just like a combat encounter except you're using social skills to you know do your thing instead of you know fight and shoot and whatnot um and i think that this isn't something that typically happens in dnd derived games uh, but I think they could, uh, and this might be a good time to imp impose those. And, and it might just be in the form of 
skill challenges with social uh, skills with some RP elements involved. Um, I haven't really thought about how I would implement that mechanically yet, but I think it'd be a really cool idea to have these kind of like social encounters in the midst of a festival and like um, they have to kind of make progress towards their goal of convincing this diplomat to do something and maybe uh, the fact that they're in a festival could somehow play a role in giving them an advantage there. I don't, I don't know how that would work out in practice, but you might consider um, imposing something like that uh, as to add more flavor and suspense to what is otherwise a normal, like, oh, roll a persuasion check or whatever, right? Um, right on. With, um, I think those holidays are a great time to they kind of break up the pace of the game. And mm. we said this before. And so it can be really useful to um, make the players think about like, if you're going to keep funding a war, it's time to get some alliances. And so there, there needs to be, you, they need to squeeze in some time, you know, to realize that like the goal isn't to win every single combat. Sometimes they need to um, you know, get some allies to do some fighting for them or, you know, back up the troops, morale uh, boosts, et cetera. Um, yeah, Cosmo420 said maybe they get the person they want to persuade drunk. That's that's a great way of doing it. Um, and there's going to be a plethora a, a of alcohol RPG? at a festival. And, you know. Getting someone drunk in an RPG, that never happens. What? <laughs> <laughs> hello, uh, hello, Bard. Are you playing a Bard, Cos? What, what, what is Cos? Is are they going to join us for any other games? Uh, I know they're doing Shifting Sands with us. Let's see. Yeah, they were playing a uh, an orc. Yep. Barbarian? Or barbarian, right? I can't wait to get back to Shifting Sands. We need to get that. I mean, I, it was also on hiatus for the holidays because I was traveling and then sick and whatnot. So I'm really anxious to get going in that. So if you guys want to join us for a West Marches style Pathfinder 2e game, definitely hit us up in the Discord and we'll get you an invite over to that, that server. Um, really wanting to get more people so that we can start getting more GMs and really start... Uh, so I can start playing for one. We're, we're <laughs> at the having two games going right now. Um, as soon as we get it up to three, will be too much for John to manage, and then yeah. I'll be able to take over from there. Um, so we're at two two groups already going, thanks to people joining in, watching this show, and hitting us up on the Discord. Uh, so if you guys are interested in that, we'd love to throw some holidays at you. Um, yeah, and you mentioned uh, also you might be starting up a Blades in the Dark game here soon, right? So I've I've been I I made like a list of things i wanted to do when we started this stream i ran the cthulhu call of cthulhu game i ran the fake game and you know now i'm progressing towards running the blitz in the dark game um in my spare time between all these so that way we can kind of diversify our portfolio so uh, also the other one was a, a starfinder game i'm really glad that we have a really good gm kind of running that that game is going really well um I need to jump into that game as a celebrity again. I, I dropped out of it early on because I had too much on my plate, but I'd love to come back for just like a session and just see how things have progressed. And because I know, you know, when Tramer when Tramer started that, he was a brand new GM, and I'd love to maybe we'll get him back on the on the stream at some point because we had him on it once before uh, when he was you know fresh and getting his uh, opinions mm -hmm. on things. I'd love to get like a follow up on that. It'd be a good a good session. Um, now that you've done or, or done your first GM run as for Fate, be good to do a kind of a retrospective on on that as well. I'd love to hear your opinions on Fate as a system. What, um, what did you call it earlier? A post uh, post mortem. 
<laughs> postmortem. We gotta do the postmortem on that fake game. So we could, we could throw that I in mean, the not, just, not necessarily just the game, but just in, in general, your your opinions of fate as a system and when when it may, when it's a fun, when it'd be a good system to run, when maybe you might choose a different system, things like that. Um, I mean, so we, I really have, I think I've got some pretty strong feelings okay, um, about okay. fate and I can't wait to kind of share yeah, them. We'll have to fit, fit that into the schedule somewhere. Um, right. We mentioned we do have rewards coming up, which is funny because... We have been we have been kind of like planning out which weeks we're going to be doing what, and we've had rewards uh, on our 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 list for several months now. And then I was I shared a video. Uh, Matt Colville just did a video on rewards like last week. It, excuse me, I shared it with Jackie. I'm like, no, <laughs> he beat Matt, us to it. Ideas. Yeah, I mean, in the end, He's there's only the there's only so many things you can do videos on, right? So it's inevitable that people are gonna cross ties from time to time, but. Um, his his hundredth episode just killed me. He's like, "Hey, let's do a review of my first episode." And I was like, "Ah, oh, that's a great idea." Yeah, I can't do that now. Can't steal that idea. No, uh, I mean, I, I think I think best. in the rewards video, he did a really good. He brought some really good points, um, as he usually does. He brought up some points that you know I might not necessarily agree with, but I can see where he's coming from. Um, and I think that the things we would bring up would be different enough to merit having a another video on that you know that kind of gives our perspective on things because you know we come from a very different background than he does so and we're playing <laughs> we, i mean we play 5e but we primarily play other rpgs um and that alone kind of insinuates some differences in the rewards you might present to your players so i think there's still merit in us doing a video on it um i just don't want it to feel like oh we're just riding off of matt colville's back because we're totally not um but yeah. Well, now the pressure's on because now we have. If we are yeah, gonna right. Video, now we have to cover match ideas, that. That's gonna be a, it's gonna be a yeah. tough one to match because he did a really good job with that video, I think. So. Uh, I mean, there's still some things on there that they they didn't cover, and I'm just mm -hmm. like, yes, they didn't mention this, and I've been holding that one close. Yep. Um, but yeah, as uh, one of the last uh, holidays, I wanted to talk about if we still have time yeah, to go, go for on, it. John. Um, I had I had mentioned the government one, and then there was the religious one, and I had. This was this is a while ago, but I had a, a player who was, I don't know how to explain them, um, really deep in in the lore with 3.5 back in the day when we were playing 3.5. My first session with them, they um, they wanted to play a level one paladin in a like a level four or five game, Oof. which is just brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, try to try to be a tank uh, or an effective healer at a level one like. And it was what they wanted. And when they realized that they were completely outmatched with like one of the first um, sessions they had gone into, it just so happened they had gone into like some vampire's lair. Mm -hmm. And their their idea was, you know what? I've got nothing on my repertoire that can hit. So they got down on their hands and knees IRL and started praying to Paylor. And I was just like blown away at this like, you know, performance. Improv. You're right. So just give you an, an idea of this this person who came up with this idea because they they loved Paylor like like uh, someone loves Jesus. They were just like this character, um, absolutely. <laughs> That's so. What was right? the holiday? Uh, what was the holiday? They uh... so they wanted a holiday for Paylor. Oh, okay. So this is this is a, an example of a character who uh, wanted to make their own holiday. Um, they ended up founding a church of Paylor with all their extra campaign funds and the building up a like well what some of the players were building up a barracks to try to raise soldiers to defend the city this person was building 
clerics and paladins of their own using the, you know, I had explained to you about the leadership feat that was used to be taken at the seventh level. Um, and just like how pertinent it kind of was to get and convince someone to follow you around. Uh, you need to be like a, like a certain adequate level. Yeah. Uh, this person at seventh level, the first thing they did was take leadership and um, kind of fund their own church for Paylor. And so they wanted a holiday for Paylor. And so they kind of, you know, spitballed with me what this holiday would entail and like what they would, you know, be required to kind of make that. And so I guess the last bit of advice would be to encourage GMs to think that, hey, if your players want to make, you know, uh, players are going to get a lot of money. They're going to get a lot of loot. If you're playing an, a sandbox game that's been going on for, you know, a year or so, there are grander schemes that the players are going to want to achieve, whether it's building mm -hmm. their own town, castle, or in this case, a church. Giving the players the option or letting them know that you're in favor of letting them create their own holiday should be on the table. And uh, along those same lines, players don't be afraid to ask your GM for these kind of things as well. Um, this kind of bleeds into our upcoming rewards video, but these kind of things are great motivations for the players to can you know keep playing. Um, so if they suggest, if as a GM, if one of your players suggests this kind of thing, definitely at least consider it. And if you can't do it, maybe consider an alternative that might satisfy what they want because motivate keeping your players motivated is going to just enhance the game for everyone involved um and yeah i was the same players definitely don't feel like if you want something in general ask your gm like don't don't ever like you might say they might say no they might say maybe maybe we can do this instead but don't ever be afraid to ask for something because you never know you know what your jam's going to say kind of deal, in my opinion. I mean, the worst they can say is no. Um, and ideally, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. In yeah. this case, you know, the players who who speak up about uh, getting the rewards, those are the ones who are going to get it. I'm not saying bully your GM for a level up. Yeah. I'm never saying bully your GM for a level up, ever. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say bully your GM for anything, but... Don't know, bully the GM. If, if you want something, there's something you want. There's a great yeah, if there's something you want, don't be afraid to ask, even if it's just once. <laughs> once, right? Maybe a reminder every other yeah. month or so. But, uh, don't play the GMs for a level up. I know we had one level up, but what about second level up? <laughs> uh, I saw that uh, meme floating around. I haven't seen that one yet. That one's good, though. Oh, yes. So, Typical yeah. Um, GM did you have anything else you wanted added, or did you want to... Um, so uh, I guess now is a good time to like, subscribe, um, click that bell. We really need to start uh, start doing that at the beginning, but I keep forgetting. Right? But yeah, definitely like and subscribe uh, this on YouTube. Uh, we are streaming on YouTube now, so that's super easy. You can do that right now if you want. Um, right. With that last action economy, um, yeah. don't forget to write in the comments um, what your favorite uh, holiday was. We'd love to see what you guys have to say about that. Uh, don't forget to check um, our Reddit where we kind of uh, interlude what we're going to be talking about so you guys can um, help curve the conversation if you're not available on Sundays to do for also, the live show. Also, let us know in the comments if you've had any interesting uh, festivals in your games, whether as a GM or a player, uh, that really w resonated well. Um, we'd love to hear you know, about those. Uh, we, we do post on Twitter, or Jackie posts on Twitter a lot more than I do. Um, we have the Discord that is linked in the description of this video. 
And as I mentioned, we do have the West March of Shifting Sands game. If you want to be added to that, find us in the Discord, and we will link you over to that. Um, Jackie, are you still accepting people for any of your games, or are you mostly booked right, up? So, um, I recently posted uh, on ARA for we're going to be hosting the uh, the vegan D and D game. It's going to be fifth edition. Uh, that is finally posted. So any of my followers from over there, um, come check us out. Uh, we're going to try to work together to do a live stream of that. Um, cool. We also have another game for me, which is going to be a Blades in the Dark game. I will be accepting uh, invites for that. So join our Discord and let us know that you're interested in that. Uh, that yeah, game is general, sure join our Discord, and if there's a game you're wanting to play, I'm sure we can find somewhere to fit you in somewhere. Exactly. Uh, we've been connecting people uh, into games for at least the last couple of months now, helping other people find GMs. We've got so. a number of different systems being run right now. Um, we really need to get oh. Spiker. We need to get Spiker to run a cyber. Um, uh, what's it? Called? Cyberpunk. Yeah. No. Uh, what uh, was it? Uh, God, why did that? I can't believe this name slipped my brain. I have uh, it right Shadowrun. 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 Jinx. Remember the exact same. Yeah. Uh, I want. I really want to pick up. I want to pick up the book Red. for uh, Cyberpunk Red because I think I'd enjoy yeah. that one more. So you were getting, and, you anyway, we've got a lot of different games being run right now, different systems. So we've got a little bit for everyone. So come join us. We'd love to have y'all. Um, Till next time. Happy gaming, guys and gals. Bye.